0: You're listening to The Itch Podcast. My name is
1: Casey. My name is Dan. And I'm Aaron. And this week we're going to scratch an itch that... Okay, I'll be honest. I wasn't actually thinking that this was something we needed to talk about whenever we were plotting this stuff out. But, um... We're gonna talk about death. That's the itch we're scratching, at least for a few minutes. Yeah. All right. Dan's not sure about that. He's he he questions it. Very, very morbid. It's a very morbid <laughs> episode of the itch. Right off the bat, just getting morbid in season two. <laughs> it's <laughs> I know we were so cheerful and like happy go lucky last week, being all excited about stuff, and we're like, we got a bunch of great things coming your way real soon. Death.
0: By rock and roll.
1: <laughs> By rock and roll. <laughs> okay, so. <laughs> To start, I'll ask you guys this. Uh, it's a bit of a rhetorical question, but are you familiar with the 27 Club? Yes. Yes. You're more familiar with it as of 30 seconds ago on Wikipedia. <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> yeah, but this is already something I've always known about or, or heard about, you know, it's some, especially when Amy Winehouse passed away, it had come up again that, oh, there's this club that all the great artists die when they're 27 it's not necessarily all the great artists you can name several other great artists that have died and not been 27 Uh, like Dave Williams comes to mind for instance I don't know how old he was but he wasn't 27 (laughs) (laughs) he was
1: not you know so just
2: things like that yeah
1: yeah yeah for anyone who's not familiar the 27 club is a phenomenon where popular musicians actors artists seemed to often die tragically at the age of 27. It first became like a publicly noticed thing when Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, Brian Jones of the Rolling Stones and Jim Morrison, of the doors all died at that age within the years of 1969 to 1971. So it was just pretty rapid fire for that. And so people kind of put that together and started saying, is this, is this a a, a thing that happens? And then, it gained traction again in the public perception in 1994 when Kurt Cobain died. And now the concept kind of pops up again, every time it happens with, with a big name, like, like Dan mentioned, Amy Winehouse. Yeah. As, as probably, I would say probably the most recent, like really big name. And that was 2011 when she passed yeah. away. But
2: since Cobain, I would definitely agree with that.
1: Yeah. yeah. Now studies have been done that show that there isn't actually a statistical connection Between that year and and people dying, they did show that musicians do often die in their 20s and 30s more often than people in other professions. Yeah, but it's it's not specifically. Yeah, because (laughs) and that's that's kind of what we're going to get into. It's really one of the themes of this episode, but it's not specifically at the age of 27.
2: Yeah, they all live hard lifestyles where they live fast, die, you know, die young. That's kind of the lifestyle they live.
0: Well, that and drugs and everything else
1: <laughs> yeah
2: that's part of the, the living
1: yeah. fast part. yeah yeah right 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 and some artists have even have even like expressed fears like be it in interviews or in their own songs about dying at that age like Amy Winehouse herself actually did that in one song Fallout boy has a song about that um, uh, Halsey a singer also does Mac Miller was a rapper he wrote about not wanting to join the 27 club due to drugs and then ended up dying of an accidental overdose at 26 he didn't even actually make it all the way to 27 which is all just just wild yeah but it's i think i think what the thing is there's um there's a thing called the called the bader Meinhoff phenomenon i don't know if you guys have heard of this too basically it means that after you notice something for the first time you might have a tendency to notice it more often and so it Mm -hmm. looks like it's happening a lot um a good example would be like if you buy a new car, OK, chances are you're going to start seeing a lot more people with the same car you have. Reason being that you weren't looking for that car before, but now you notice it. Right. And yeah, I think that that's kind of what hap- is happening with the 27 Club. It just became this thing of lore because four massive names died in such short succession. Right. But um, I don't know. It didn't really catch on until Cobain died. Yeah.
2: yeah, like the idea of the 27 the quote, 27 club didn't get public perception until Cobain died was like, oh, well, maybe this is a thing that artists die at 27. It's like, no, Cobain's <laughs> death was technically his choice.
1: Right. Uh, I guess you right. could say that
2: about most of them, but yeah, a
1: number of the others for sure. So, some have been, you know, really messed up accidents and some have just been drug related things or suicides or a combination of the two. It's it's no matter what it's it's a tragic death if it's happening at 27.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Speaking of, this is a little weird note to add to that. I looked into it a little more. Brian Jones died in a swimming pool and the coroner ruled his death. And this is, I quote, death by misadventure. (laughs) I don't know what that means, but that. They're not far off. That's a wild way to go. I I could think of worse ways to go than the coroner being like, yeah, misadventure. (laughs) Oh, God. I think it's a
2: nice, polite way of saying drunk and drown in a pool or something along those lines.
1: That very well could be. I didn't look into it any further into explaining exactly.
2: That's just my guess. I don't really know the truth. I didn't look into it either. But
1: me neither until we looked into it. I didn't really know who Brian Jones was. I'm not going to lie. That's fair. (laughs) That's fair. You did not. We were not alive during the time when, you know, (laughs) he was uh, on the scene with the stones My parents weren't
2: part of that gender. They're more 70s, like when they got into music and stuff. And so like Mm -hmm. they weren't really into the Stones and the Eagles and things like that, like that's why I'm Zeppelin was kind of like the godfather of rock and roll for me is and other bands like Black Sabbath, stuff like that.
1: That makes sense. Yeah. But all that to say, that's that kind of leads us into our flavor of the week. The album we're going to talk about this week.
2: Yeah. A band called The Pretty Reckless. And so the whole reason why we talk about the Forever 27 Club is because the lead singer of this band, Miss Taylor Mumpson, is currently 27 and actually went through a really hard time in the last three years or so where she thought she possibly was going to die at the age of 27. And that's kind of what this album's about. Uh, she was touring with or The Pretty Reckless was touring with Soundgarden um, when Chris Cornell passed away. And then her producer that she had worked with on Who You Selling For and Going to Hell, Cato Quinduela, also died at the age of 47. Yeah. And that basically sent her spiraling. And it, from her own perspective, from interviews that we've read, um, she basically just went down a tube and and just didn't think she was going to find her way out of it. And it wasn't until she started writing this this album with her guitarist that she did kind of find herself again And that's really what the whole album's about is just kind of finding herself, finding rock and roll as kind of her way to pick her back up and and to bring her back to life, so to speak. Yeah, you definitely can tell that throughout the entire album.
1: Yeah, it's basically her going from giving up on life and thinking that everything was meaningless and isolating herself to sort of finding a new motivation and, and sort of a rebirth in a sense.
0: Yeah, finding rock and roll, uh, saving her life, basically.
2: Yeah. So I, I kind of wanted to ask KC, did this have like a, and I know not the entire album, I'm not saying the entire album, but did this kind of have like a, a classic rock feel to it? Yes, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely particular songs that I think sound a little bit more classic rock oriented, but yeah, it just kind of got that that vibe from the album. And I think that's one thing that really... Led me to to loving this. I think it's it just it sounds like I don't know if it's because she was more inspired or because she co wrote it with the guitarist, um, but like this album is by and far their best album to date.
0: Yeah, no, uh, there's definite themes of like the Beatles in certain songs, and then there's the band, the song, the wait. There's a there's a song that sounds a lot like that at, at the beginning.
2: Yeah, there's a song that sounds like "Children of the Grave" from uh, Yes Black Sabbath. Yes, <laughs> and actually, that one kind of annoyed me a little bit. It was it was a, a little too close to Children Yeah, <laughs> the right, Grave. right.
0: And a, a couple of times, a couple of the tracks sounded a little bit kind of Guns and rosesh a little bit to me as well.
2: Yeah. So one thing you may not know about Taylor Mumpson is that she was a child actress and most people already probably know who she is. or are very familiar with a couple of her roles. Um, She was actually very successful in Hollywood uh, as a child actress and a teen actress as well. Um, Mm -hmm. She started out as Cindy Lou, who in the 2002 version with Jim Carrey of of the Grinch and was actually really good at that role. (laughs) I I thoroughly enjoy that, that movie not to, uh, you know, what's I, that's also Jim Carrey too. So you can't go wrong there. Right. <laughs> um, and then later in her career she was in Gossip Girl and I don't even think the show was over. She just decided halfway through that show she didn't want to do it anymore. She wanted right. she didn't want to be an actress. She was tired of that whole Hollywood life and she just quit. Uh, like halfway through the show and like so for one I give her mad props just to have the gall to quit something that's successful that you're probably making pretty damn good money off of that's consistent and then just going for it you know what i mean yeah
1: she said this well before now although now it's much more evident and she seems to be reaching the level but that she wanted to be known you know as a musician as a as a writer and a rocker not as an actress so she gave up that entire career and dove you know wholeheartedly into this one
2: and I'll be quite honest. I was one of the people that that were kind of like this, but like, I feel like the rock world didn't quite accept her because you're going from like a CW show, you know, gossip girl, uh-huh. all these teeny girl, teeny boppers are in love with you. And then trying to make it into the rock world. Most of us are like, no, you're a poser. No, get out of here with that.
1: <laughs> right. Cause it sounds like it's like a vanity project or like a yeah. side thing or something like that. It's not, but it sounds like it. I'm sure it was a major uphill battle for her at first in that regard. Well, and I think, I think that this
2: album is kind of they're almost like they're at least for me, like I accept them as or her, at least as, as a rock artist. Now I, I truly feel that she has become, or at least turned herself into a true rock artist. And I think this is kind of the first album where she is featured as like a front woman that it's all, you know, cause the other, the, the other albums, they're good, but like the lyrics are really mediocre. The, Songwriting's okay. It's kind of disjointed. Like you can tell that the, the band has chemistry that you can tell that they've been together for years. And especially when we saw them live, they were phenomenal. The band themselves were phenomenal live. She did just some weird shit on stage and danced <laughs> around and looked weird. Um, But the band themselves, you could tell that they hadn't played in, together for years. They were in sync. They were, sounded great. They had a lot of fun up on stage. And so I'm, I'm kind of thinking like when she left gossip girl, like this band was like, I don't know if she found them or they found her or what happened there, I don't know the story there, but it, it definitely worked out for everybody involved, I think. And and this n- most recent album death by rock and roll, I think is, is kind of their most mature album and, and their best sounding album because they're finally getting that chemistry. And I think she's finally feeling like a rock star, to be honest, like, you know, finally kind of removed from that Hollywood scene and fully in, in enveloped into the rock scene.
1: Yeah. And, you know, it took her a a full decade to get there and 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 probably to get the respect that also she surely desires to come with it. And I mean, just we'll get into the detail a lot more, but I'll tell you right now, if you're a rock music fan like this band, like I would say that this band just like straight up arrived right here. And if you don't respect and appreciate her and this, then I'm I don't know how to relate to you in terms of of that kind of conversation. Because, cause th- this is a special album. I'll be quite
2: honest. I I didn't have any respect for them until I saw them live. Mm. Yeah. Me and Casey, my wife, and a couple other people went and saw them with Starset. It was the the lineup was Starset, the Pretty Reckless, and Hailstorm, and the entire concert was amazing. That was the first time we had seen or heard of Starset. They were great. Um, I had known who the Pretty Reckless was, but it was just a couple of their singles. Yeah. But they're. They were so good live that I became a fan of them and, and mainly the band, like the band were just, they were just incredible. And then Hailstorm, of course was phenomenal. Every time I seen them, they're, <laughs> every, they're just really fucking awesome. So if you ever get a chance to see them, I, I definitely recommend that. Um, and so it was, it was, it not only was it just a great lineup, it was a fantastic concert. And I think that that really kind of sold me on, on them as a band and, that was after their second album, right, Casey? After yeah, uh, who you selling
0: for? That was yeah. right around, like, because that album came out. We saw them on that tour, and then like the next year is when they were getting ready to be with Soundgarden. So then there was that's right, yeah,
2: yeah, because we were going to see them with Soundgarden. We actually had we actually had tickets to see that concert with Soundgarden, uh, and I think they were on the tour again. Yeah, and and that's when. You know, un- the unfortunate series of events happened for everybody involved.
0: Literally, the day after <laughs> he
2: passed is when we were supposed to see that show. Yeah, he passed on Thursday. We were we had tickets to see him on Saturday. Yeah, and she just played with them on a show Thursday night. Right, and so that's why that it it was another
1: reason why it kind of hit her really hard too. Yeah. One of the things that this another thing that comes up in this album is that Soundgarden was like a dream for them. Like whenever we are doing interviews with people and we ask them, like, what's your dream tour? You strongly get the impression that she would have put Soundgarden on that list before that ever happened. And so this is like like one of her heroes. Yeah, she was a huge Cornell fan. Yeah. Getting to play with them and then to have that happen was a very traumatizing and devastating, you know, thing. She's not the only person in the rock world who Cornell's passing affected deeply. Wasn't that something that that was Chester Bennington was also on record as struggling with severely before he passed as well, which was just, what, a few months later?
2: Yeah, that's correct. I I think it was almost three months to the day.
1: Yeah, I think you might be right. Something along those lines. And that just devastated him and Taylor as well.
0: I'm pretty sure it was on Chris Cornell's birthday.
1: Yeah, that's right. You're, that's what it was. Bennington's passing was yeah, on Cornell's right. birthday. Yep. So thank God that, uh, you know, she
2: didn't take the same path. Right. Yeah. You know, it yeah. sounded like, yeah, she she took the hard path and, and went down, you know, the depression, but at least she didn't commit suicide. I mean, that is that is one thing that that she has to hopefully credit, you know, the
1: people around her that they didn't let her get that far. You get the impression that she that it may have crossed her mind or that she wasn't all that far away from it at some, at the lowest point in here, especially
2: by some of the lyrics in some of these songs. Yeah, I agree with that.
1: And so, man, so she's got a great story. And, and so, and this album has a great story Uh, as a little fun bonus. She's also uh, a St. Louis native. So all the more reason for us to like her. I had no idea
2: until we, uh, (laughs) until we started, researching for the podcast, um, I, I had no idea that she was born in St. Louis. Yep. So
1: that's yep. awesome because we don't really have very many uh, claims to fame around here. <laughs> I'm trying to keep to, to make a, a tally of St. Louis Rockers. And uh, I mean, there's like the Godfather
2: list. and that's that that just Chuck Berry. Really? <laughs> and <laughs> that's Barry. I mean, honestly, do we need any more? Just fucking Chuck Berry is all we need. Like he that, that <laughs> covers everything right there. Right. Yeah. That's a, that's a fairly like good you point. You can't have rock music without Chuck Berry. So guess that's what? St. Louis started rock music. We claim it. We're claiming <laughs> it right now.
1: We're claiming <laughs> it right now. The itch has made the bold claim that we started rock music in St. Louis. Hey, look, that's right. Yeah.
2: Louisiana <laughs> about bold claims. and New so. Orleans can claim their blues, but we got rock. We had
1: Chuck Berry. Okay. <laughs> and a hockey team. And also a hockey team. Called <laughs> <Yeah. the blues. laughs> oh boy. So... <laughs> so to go to go back into this um so yeah she she was still reeling from the passing of chris cornell and then uh it it was about a year later uh their producer um Cato kandwala died soon after being in a motorcycle accident he the injuries eventually took him and this guy she's gone on record as describing as like her best friend he was pretty much best friend, like unofficial band member. Here's the guy who produced all their albums to this point. Yeah. Pretty much like, you know, her inspiration and, and partner in that work. And he was a notable guy. He was also known for working with Paramore. Uh, he did work with Breaking Benjamin, Pop Evil, uh, Blondie. Yeah. Cold. My Chemical Romance. Papa Roach. Papa Roach. Yeah. And, and but The Pretty Reckless seemed to be like kind of his most maybe I, I could could be misinterpreting this, but I kind of got the impression that they were like his favorite, like <laughs> yeah. they were that, they, that was their, thing was their relationship between Cato and this band.
0: Well, Taylor was quoted as saying the reason why she wanted to work with him so much was because he was a rock producer and not just yeah. a pop producer.
1: Yeah. So. Cause as Dan mentioned earlier, she was trying so hard to be taken seriously as in this realm. And so she had to find somebody who's, you know, vibe matched what she was going and he's he he got what she was going for and tried to make it happen with her. So
2: Well and it also seemed like um The Pretty Reckless was one of the last bands he worked with. Uh you know, he worked with a band called Vemic and Pop Evil, but uh The Pretty Reckless who you're se- who you selling for is the last album that he really that he put out hmm. um while he was alive. So I yeah, I can definitely understand how that would you know, and it, it just compiles. You know, it, you're already feeling sad about one thing and then you know the next stuff happens and you just kind of start you know going further and further down like there's just no hope and you don't even see you start to lose the light
1: yeah Yeah. and that's why they were gone for a couple of years you didn't you know that they weren't making music i don't know i don't know what they were doing but but and she comes she says that this title this album death by rock and roll was actually a line that Cato used to say she said that was kind of a motto that they that they live by like a this life battle cry that that uh, is like an anthem of hope sort of like that's kind of a cool way of of paying a tribute I think is adding that
2: yeah and a great song to boot um you know I'm I'm, I'm glad that they started the the album off with that song I'm glad that the title of the album is named after that song I, I just think it, it works and it's uh you know we always talk about the track listings and I think that you know, they did a great job of really kind of reeling you in and, and putting some of the strongest stuff at the front of the album. I think it's a little too top heavy, but, you know, it's it, it just it starts off really good, in my opinion. Yeah,
1: it does. And and to touch on something that you were saying yeah. earlier about, um, again, about her wanting to distance herself from her previous career. The first line of the album, I'm, I'm assuming this is pretty darn deliberate. The first line of the album was Jenny died of suicide. And Jenny was the name of the character she played on Gossip Girl, Gossip Girl. which I yeah. Yeah. I didn't know and I didn't watch Gossip Girl. But in researching this, I discovered that. And I thought that was a brilliant line. It's this yeah. idea of her putting away her previous identity um, to, to carry on you. with this kind. Yeah, it's <laughs> it, 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 it's suicide in a sense. It's killing that part yeah. of who yeah. she was. And right. yeah, because they had to write her character off. I don't know what happened to her character on the show. I don't know if the character on the show committed suicide or if she's just referring to Taylor doing that to to the character of Jenny. If that makes sense, I don't know. Either way, curious now.
0: I was going to say no, no idea. I have to I have to watch season four and watch season four and get back to you. That's oh
1: right. Goodness. We're going to go watch There's some you gossip know girl. What and- season it
2: is? <laughs> <laughs> I <don't>
0: know. <laughs> I have no idea. We we'll have to, we'll have, to we'll have to break the recording up yeah
1: no. <laughs> i was watching smallville during that time not gossip girl yeah. that was my cw show <laughs>
2: <laughs> All my in on
1: smallville. <laughs> no but death but uh death by rock and roll is one of those there's a number of songs out there that are like this it's this like running through like a list of ill-fated people kind of song where she that's pretty much the whole thing it's like a whole bunch of people and the way that they went out pretty much um it, to that degree it reminded me um you remember the offspring they did? Uh, the kids are all right. Yes. It's, yeah. And and it's that the whole thing was just all these people from like their neighborhood that had bright futures and then bad things happen in their lives. That was the first thing I thought of as I was listening to the lyrics of this. Yeah. So, you know, and and, and like I said, it, it just starts off really
2: well. So right after the first track, you have, you know, the first track death by rock and roll. The second track, bringing the boys back from Soundgarden, garden, uh, yep. getting them out and, getting to hear some music from them again was such an awesome thing and you can tell right off the bat that it's it's a Soundgarden group like it sounds like you know one of their riffs um and, and the song is called Only Love
1: Can Save Me Now the guys from Soundgarden are named Kim and Matt and Taylor said that working with them was like a highlight of her life yeah. <laughs> I can imagine. Which is pretty epic. And and that this is one of her favorite tracks on the on the album, probably at least in part because of that. And it's such a nice bit of continuity and closure at the same time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Functionally, the end of Soundgarden until right now was also the end of the Pretty Reckless. Right. And so for them to be part of her coming back is pretty sweet. Yeah, definitely. And and like and vice versa, her to be part of them coming back, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and I I think the other thing too that kind of sets this album apart from their previous
2: albums is that is, I mean I'm double checking right now, but I don't remember them ever having guest spots from any other artists. No. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't I don't
0: I don't think so. The only other thing she did was the uh, "In This Moment" song with uh, Lizzie Hale and
1: Yeah. Oh, the yeah, the one where they the, like the yeah. the women of rock all got together on that track. Yeah, yeah, and yeah.
0: That's, that's technically not her song, but yeah.
1: But what a perfect place to start, because this whole album. In so many ways, you mentioned it sounding like a classic rock album, and there are multiple songs that mention people by name, like her rock star idols and influences. Like what a yeah. perfect time to start bringing a few of those people into the fold. You got another important guest spot later on in the album as well. Actually, the very next song. Yeah. Well, like
2: I said, it it almost kind of feels like it's the rock world welcoming her too, you know, like oh mm. hey, you're part of the the group the the crew now. Can we be on your songs or can you be on our songs? And and I think that's kind of how you know you're you're a part of the the rock family, so to speak. Uh, and and that happens with touring with with artists and and just you know making connections. And I think that she's she's put in the time. That's there's no doubt about that now.
0: Yeah. You can, you can definitely tell that she put her heart and soul in this entire album. And I think, I think it's one part, like a goodbye letter slash love letter to the people that she's lost. Another, another portion of it is a, a love letter to rock and roll itself. And then, and then the other thing with, so it went with heaven Tom Morello on there, it's kind of, you know, the whole civil unrest situation going on as well. So
2: yeah i wanted to ask you about that so like i've never known the pretty reckless to be political right but this this song you can definitely kind of tell like it's aimed at some particular person yes <laughs> yeah i don't know if she felt like that was necessary because she had tom Morello. like oh tom morella's gonna be exactly- on my album i better write something political
0: <laughs> that's exactly what i was gonna say I, i'm gonna i have this political song in mind Who who do i who can i get to make it
1: sound that way oh tom (laughs) morello yeah (laughs) what's funny about this song is we we talked about this a number of times last season this is another one of those songs that was written before the pandemic hit but speaks but it's entirely relevant to the events going on during it and the way the world felt with the whole of that was it the children lost their minds kind of thing the line in there yeah, and I, I love just... the kids choir to kind of emphasize the children losing their
2: minds.
0: Yeah, yeah right.
2: Yeah, right.
1: Yeah, it, it was a, it was an it was a legit choir of little children singing the end of that. The world does not belong to you, uh, chorus. And man, these first few tracks are, um, they're 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 uh, pretty dark. They're kind of it's just right. yeah, it's it's not a happy journey to that point of the album.
2: <laughs> well, can I just say though that that so it went. Featuring Tom Morello, I mean Tom. Tom just—he's he, Tom. He's being Tom on that <laughs> on that song, and it just makes the song so fucking awesome because he is just—he is just awesome. He is a guitar god in every respect, yep. and no matter what he does, it's just gold. So that you know, I'm sure that she probably had more fun working with the guys from Soundgarden. I had more fun listening to Tom Morello being Tom Morello on her song.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's that's very fair, I guess. And then you have
0: the next track 25 sounds like a straight up James Bond theme song.
1: <laughs> As I said there there was actually questions and rumors when that came out if it was going to be the James Bond theme song because uh, the of the content of it, the sound of it and the fact that the next James Bond movie was the 25th James Bond movie. Yeah. I didn't know just throwing that fun little tidbit out there. Like it was a legitimate like question that was asked.
0: (laughs) The video makes it kind of seem like it would have been the way that they shot it as well.
2: So there's a lot of Bond vibes going on in this track one way or another. Mm -hmm. Well, I have to say that it's probably the best Pretty Reckless song ever. Yeah, Uh, I absolutely (laughs) love that song. The problem is that I listened to this album way too many times before. Uh, we recorded our podcast and so like i love the whole album but the more and more i listen to it the more and more things i found to nitpick and so like Mm. while i still feel like this is the my favorite and the best pretty reckless song ever there's just some things that drive me nuts about this song like for one there's just too much counting i don't know why (laughs) i decided to break down the damn counting four fucking times in the middle of the song i I get it you can count to four great appreciate it (laughs) My kids can do that too, Uh, but (laughs) the last. Okay, so I I love how you know it seems like a build up. I I like how like the entire song kind of builds and builds and builds, and like you get to the end and the chorus where she's like, "And the glass of my intentions turns to sand and shatters in my hand." That last time, I'm not. I'm not joking. Like this drives me nuts about this song. That last time she sings "hand." Like, cause I, everything's a buildup. It's a buildup. It's a buildup. And then like, you just feel like when she says the last time uh, that she says, you know, shatters in my hand, she goes low. I, and, oh my God. It drives me <laughs> nuts. Like, why doesn't she, she's got the voice that so she can go high. Like that particular note, she should have just belted it out and gone high and just like, let it go. Yeah. Um, like she did in uh, turning gold. She let it go and turning gold. Like that is a great vocal song. And she shows voc- her like her vocal prowess in this in this album. I think she's gotten way better on this album and singing. But that one fucking note drives me <laughs> nuts. Like that one note on that last part of that song. <laughs> she should have gone high and she goes low. And I'm just like, ah, oh, just such a missed opportunity. Like if I was a producer, I'd be like,
1: nope, you need to. You need to put some effort into that. Let it go. You did listen to this a lot. I see. yeah i told you i do it it is funny to me i like that you mentioned it as as saying it's the best song um it's a very autobiographical song she's talking about all these events and feelings throughout her life that led her all the way to this lowest point she says okay i wrote this song when i was 25 technically she's 27 now so she wrote it you know even closer to the time when these people were passing away around her and so it seems like she was just feeling very reflective She's just looking Damn. through all these events of her life and how they got her to this point and everything, all these things that had happened. And here she is at this low point in her life. But at the same time, it's like the first song that seems to have kind of a glimmer of hope for it, for the story that's going on here. This isn't a concept album, it, but it does have like a running theme and you can kind of feel like there's yeah. an emotional story going on. But um, she herself considered this song as a turning point for her as a songwriter so she there's a couple interviews where she did where she was like, Yeah, when I finished writing that one, I actually paused and looked at it and was like, Hey, I think I might be getting better at this. <laughs> <laughs> I would have to agree with her. 100%. Yeah, she's right. <laughs> yeah. And so at first I thought that was adorable. I'm like, you look at it and you're like, oh, huh. <laughs> I'm not bad. <laughs> but then <laughs> but she, she was right. She really <laughs> annoying yeah. as the counting may be to some people. <laughs> It it really is like this. This whole album is just a step, a step up in just about every way.
2: Yeah, yeah. and and I don't know if that comes with just writing it directly with her guitarist because, like I said, when seeing them live, you could tell they have been playing music for a long time. They know right. their music. He and I'm sure that he's probably been you know listening to music even longer than he's been playing it. Because there's just a lot of influences from all over the time periods. Um, like the very next song, track five, Bones. That whole song, Like as soon as I heard that, I'm like, this is almost its almost too much of a ripoff of The Children of the Grave from Black Sabbath. But, you know, they do some interesting things to, to switch it up. Because halfway through the song, there's like a tempo change. You're just like, wait, is this even the same song? Like, what the hell's going on? Yeah. <laughs> And it's, it's just really interesting how they do that, but it's it, it's so good and it all ties back to itself. And I will say, like, the the only song I don't really care for, I mean, it's just, I guess it's like an introduction or something, is Broomsticks. Like, what the fuck is that? Like, what?
1: Yeah. Just, broomsticks, what, is, is, what broomsticks is, is a, a 38 seconds of, yeah. like, a weird Halloween jingle. Yes. That's pretty yeah. much what it is. <laughs> it's pretty much just an intro to Witch's Burn. Right.
0: Pretty much. But it it's, sounds completely different from the, the actual two songs, though.
1: I, I appreciate the kind, like, I don't, that is a bizarre song. I'm not really sure if it necessarily needed to be there. But I definitely appreciate the way that this album hops between. It does a lot of little things that I like, especially as it goes on and you start to see different influences of different bands in there. Or even little stuff like like on the track before Broomsticks, it's called Got So High. Like, the song starts with her coughing and then counting down. I'm like, like keeping uh, yeah, a cough true. in a recording is a little yeah. bit weird, but I kind of like it. Like it, I don't yeah. know. There's just something well, cool about, about that.
2: I'm sure it's to elaborate what she was doing. um well, for singing a song enough. called God So High.
1: Maybe. <laughs> although I think, I think in, in this case with her, that term, uh, if it does mean that it doesn't mean just that. I think that it's, yeah. it's referring to more things. That yeah. song also, I would note as having a really great vocal performance she's uh her voice is just on point in this album
2: (laughs) yeah because then like right after broomsticks like witches burn she does let it go on that song um Hmm. and that i think that song to me had the biggest kind of classic rock feel on the entire album and i don't know if it was just because the guitar solo on that on that song was so awesome uh it was probably my favorite guitar solo on the entire album but yeah that's that song was great It, it really did feel like a Almost, I don't even know, like just a seven, like a song that just belonged in the late 70s to me. But the next song is Standing at the Wall. I kind of had like, you know, that's why I say it's top heavy. Like this album was top heavy because the songs that really rock and like get you into, you know, the head banging mode are the first five tracks. And then you get Got So High, which is it's a good song, but, you know, it's it's like an acoustic song is burn kind of pulls you back in there well after the weird intro um, <laughs> and, and then and then they come right back with with uh, standing at the wall and while it's a pretty song um, with some insightful metaphors I, I just think that it's I don't know it's just kind of boring <laughs> yeah
0: the the, the the like you said the last the the bottom half of the album definitely kind of has that that 60s, 70s classic rock feel like with Neil Young
1: or or
0: yeah. the band.
1: See, yeah. I kind of like that, and I and it's definitely deliberate, I think. No, Personally, it is. I, like, yeah. I, yeah, I think it's I like, Dan, yeah, like Dan said, the first part of the album is like, you know, the, the heaviest, rockiest, and then as it goes, more often than that, it kind of veers into some different areas, maybe a little farther away from that. But I think that that's a perfect, like such a clever way to do something When you're making an album that is this like ode to your musical influences, like, you know, maybe go back in time piece by piece or maybe get a little bit softer as you go. Because she's also describing this process of healing and like feeling a renewed sense of hope after the despair that she felt for for so long. And so I kind of feel like it kind of makes sense for the music to shift as well, if that makes sense. Well, I didn't quite get that with standing at the
2: wall. I thought that that was the song that she basically was making the decision whether or not to jump. Could be that was part of it, too. Yeah,
1: I would say definitely say that the track after that is where you feel a big tonal shift in turning, turning more gold. Up, up, turning gold, where you you get yeah. you definitely feel more uplifting at that point.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. And it's a great song, too. Um, and like I said I, before, I think she really that's another song that you really kind of see her improvement or hear, obviously hear her improvement uh, with her vocal range
1: um, just over previous albums yeah and so the other thing that i love about the song turning gold aside from it is a good song her this is what i think to me i think this is one of the prettiest vocal performances on this album but then also clearly she needed to give a shout out to her boys in st louis because this song does include a line about the itch and so i just wanted to draw attention to that the line is through through the burning the bleeding the itch of the healing so, you, you know, <laughs> thank you and you're welcome, Taylor, for us to play a part in your healing. Uh, <laughs> we appreciate that. That may or may not get credit cut for that. from this episode. <laughs> no, dude, that's great. <laughs> that's this is a heavy episode. We got to have some good gags in there.
2: <laughs> I, I don't know if I want to take credit for that. That just sounds nasty. <laughs> <laughs>
1: The itch—it's a healing itch. That's what we do, right? Probably no, maybe You ever heard know. of
2: a healing itch? No. Well, yeah. she
1: did. So <laughs> the itch of the healing. <laughs> so here she
2: is healing, and, and we're all better off for it. Damn, now my beard's scratchy. <laughs>
0: oh, yeah. got the itch on his just, face. Just, just <laughs> talking about itches.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we're it's sorry to anyone who's listening that we—if we just triggered you, and now all of a sudden you feel itchy, we apologize. That's weird it's so weird <laughs> <laughs> anyway that leads us to kind of the us- uh,
2: to the next song which i will have to say i am not going to lie i had a little bit of an issue when i heard a song called rock and roll heaven and it sounded like a twangy country song I was like what the what the hell like what yeah like it's well, this is what yeah
0: that's the song i was referring to i get i get a text from aaron and he's like hey Listen to this song. Does it totally sound like the weight by the band? And I was like, I listened to it and I'm like, yep, the opening <laughs> part of that song totally sounds like that. <laughs> it,
1: it yeah, definitely sounds like it. And that, that's not a complaint. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm it's a decent song,
2: but sure. I, I, which I, I, you know, I like the, uh, you know, help, it, it, it kind of helped her get a little bit more rock cred. Uh, yeah. From, from being an actress, you know, from, from, Kind of distancing herself from the being an actress and and just kind of making mention like what we talked about at the beginning of the show. You know, if I can make it to twenty seven, just kind of, I'm almost stating that if she makes it to twenty seven, maybe she could be a, a rock legend too. Yeah, who knows? After this album, don't
1: die, don't die. I'm not saying to die. Seriously, <laughs> she, she's twenty seven right now. I'm a tiny bit worried, but at the same time, honestly, I think that this that this album like legit makes Taylor Momsen and the Pretty Reckless. Like a listers in the rock world, like they're they're to me they're super legit right now. They're on their way up,
2: no doubt. And and
1: and you guys have seen them, you've listened to them before. There, this is another of those artists that I'm barely actually familiar with. I knew they're a thing. I knew that she was a uh, you know a child actress and whatnot, but I never paid that much attention to them. And I hear this, and I'm like, oh man, I don't know what if I was missing all these years, but but this is yeah. legit. <laughs> Well, and I had to I had to give credit to Lizzie Hale. Like, I wouldn't
2: have known who this band was or I wouldn't have given them uh, their their due credit or even like given them a chance to listen to them if it wasn't for Hailstorm touring with them. Mm-hmm. And Lizzie Hale basically stating that, you know, this this she's legit. I, I had a lot of time, you know, had a lot of good times rocking out with her and stuff like that. And so, yeah, I think. And then, like I said, seeing them live was just that kind of put us over the top. And I became a fan after that.
0: Yeah.
1: I really imagine them having like a big sister, little sister relationship because Lizzie yeah. Hale is already like pretty high up in terms of like legit <laughs> rock legitimacy. And yeah. so I feel like I don't know. I, I can't I don't know for sure if they actually have like that strong relationship I and mean, they touring together doesn't necessarily mean that it could. But I kind of envision it, it seems very possible. I, th- I think just
2: there. I think just out of, you know, uh camaraderie you know i think all or at least most of the women of rock kind of stick together at least uh, you know communicate or keep in touch yeah
1: you'd have to think that there's yeah there's definitely mutual benefit in that and in having to face the same struggles navigating that world to to have another you know some other ladies around to talk to about it and to work through some of it lizzie seems like she'd be a good life coach yeah
2: well, I can't imagine what they have to deal with, you know, because it's it's definitely a guy dominated industry. There's no doubt about that. Right. Yeah.
1: And so you need to strong women around you. I feel like that certainly is beneficial. Like I said, I'm sure I'm sure that Lizzie Hale is a pretty darn good life coach for for younger women in the industry.
0: Well, and especially after losing two of the most probably important artists or figures in her rock life, because the last track on the album, Harley Darling, uh, speaks directly to Kato the producer because it, he died in a motorcycle accident.
1: That that song I, I that song k- kind of gets me cuz there's this idea of she's singing about going getting on the bike and riding out to see him one more time. Yeah. Like you know getting on the very thing that that he died doing. And it's just this it's it's a little bit strange but like it's very poetic and I I have a lot of appreciation for that like imagery and plus it it suffices as a real nice like ride off into the sunset or not necessarily the sunset I think in their case it's more ride off into the unknown
0: Yeah,
2: because I think
1: the last thing that she says is something something defective that she's she's all alone but it's not like a hopeless all alone it's just like alright let's see what happens now I'm doing this myself yeah you took everything and now I'm alone again yeah like singing to the bike. But it's just a really good way to close out that album. I also like the sort of symmetry of like death by rock and roll and then rock and roll heaven, kind of they're kind of connected tracks. There's a lot of tracks that yeah, I think yeah. are kind of connected, but but I think that the way that they structured this album, it definitely is very intentional and well put together and structured. Yeah. And she she talked about I was reading a couple of interviews and she talked about like You know, inspiration is a thing in art that people talk about, like, oh, the muse, something inspired me. And and all of a sudden I was super motivated to just write this brilliant thing or whatever. And and most artists will tell you that that's rare and largely bogus. Most of the artists I've heard talk about it, they say. You have to do it, you have to work for it, and occasionally something good will strike. Taylor says about this album that there was a lot of things that really did feel like they just like flowed out of her. Yeah. Um, like they were just naturally there, and came out like you know ready to go for this album.
2: You know, I, I think that there's truths to both of that. Like I, I do think, yeah, you you definitely have to work at it. There's no doubt that you you know you can't. Nobody is talented enough to just spew gold every time yeah. they open their mouth. Like don't get me wrong, Eminem might be the closest to like just be like open his mouth and like <laughs> or Snoop, you know, yeah, and, and something just like. Gold comes out, or even maybe even Zach De La Roca, but uh, Jacoby Shadow, you know, they, yeah, they still they still worked <laughs> at it. They still spent an entire lifetime getting to the point that they got to now. But on the flip side of that, there's no doubt that if you have a good muse, that you're going to have at least something to write about, or, or you know, something good to write about, or have or feel inspired to write good stuff. Like the thing that came to mind when you said that is nothing more. Like I, I, I love nothing more is music and I've loved him before then, but their last album, the stories we tell ourselves was all about his divorce. And mm. it was phenomenal because he put in his emotion and just kind of, like you said, with, with, with Taylor, like, you know, he, he, you know, he was kind of just, the things just kind of came out of money. That's how he dealt with going through the divorce. And I think because of that, it made for one of the best damn albums of all time, in my opinion, like it's, it's my, one of my favorite albums and just because he's so honest with with what he was dealing with at the time and i think that's exactly what makes this album so great because they're just they're just being honest they're being themselves they're expressing their emotions and they they did a great job of conveying that what you know what they went through
0: yeah pain can do a lot of things for musicians
2: so exactly unfortunately i mean yeah. you know I, I wouldn't recommend having to deal with tragedy right. if you want to make right. a good yeah, album yeah. But, uh,
0: well and but that that's why they that's why they want to to write it and get it out there to to help themselves and to hopefully help
1: others and i think that there's a there's a a strange poetry and a, a little bit i don't know if irony is the word but it's it's weird and fascinating to me, this idea that this man that she gives credit to Kato as really being their like guiding force throughout their albums. This is the first time they've ever had to work without him. And yet his, the, he is still the inspiration for it. And his physical absence, him being physically absent, but weighing so heavily on her heart leads to them writing the best album that they've ever written. Like, how weird is that? But but really cool in a way at the same time. I'm sure that she would trade this album right back to have him, obviously. But at the same time, like. Like, it's just so cool to see that it it worked, whatever that was that their relationship had. Like she was she she and the rest of the band are ready to move forward and have, you know, matured and grown up and whatnot. And so I don't know. It's just I just think that's kind of cool. (laughs)
2: yeah and and it's a great story and and i think that the thing that's helped it because you know we've we've all talked about the interviews that we've all read in regards to this album i think she's been very open about what she's dealt with and not just with her lyrics but just in interviews and 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 just you know being forthcoming on social media and things like that Uh, i think that's kind of helped because you know it's one thing to write stuff about it some people like you know write great lyrics but they never will convey what they actually mean or you know which i understand you know lyrics are there for your own interpretation however if somebody else is going through something that you could possibly help them through by you know inspiring them with your own lyrics and why not you know convey exactly what they mean and let everybody know what you went through and, and why you know this album is is the way it is yep yeah so i commend her for that
1: there's no doubt Absolutely. I I think um I'll I'll point this out. One of our our friend podcasts, The Hook, did a an episode about this album recently and if you want some further listening, I highly recommend it. He 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 had similar sentiments to us. He said this is the first great rock album to come out in 2021 and of what I've heard so far, I'm totally inclined to agree. Yeah. And so Like we talked last season about like every time we had an an album review episode. Hey, where's this going to rank in the in the the list at the end of the year? I don't necessarily want to do that all this season, (laughs) but I can say pretty confidently that I suspect this will be very high no matter what comes out the rest of the year. It'll be a hard time. I know it will make the list 10. Yeah.
0: yeah, you know, it'll make the list. Yeah, yeah. because yeah.
1: you never
2: know what will come out. I mean, there could be some really good stuff uh, on the horizon. Right. You just never know. But I, I definitely think that out of all the albums that come out this year, I can sure
1: assure that we will find a place for it in the top 20. Yep. Yeah, it's it's a quality album. It feels very important. It's obviously super personal and it's neat to see a band like level up. Right. Yeah. That's a good yeah. one. I like that especially
2: on their third album. Uh, You know, it's, it's one thing when you put out a great first album and then you're just, your entire career is a downhill slope. It's Mm -hmm. another thing when your your sophomore album is the greatest or whatever. It's an, it's amazing when you continuously see a band going up and continuing to quote level up, like you said. Um, And I'm hoping that they just continue to do great things and and go down this path of just making phenomenal music and her, being just better as a, as an artist
1: altogether. Yeah. Continuing to get better as an artist. I mean, all joking aside, like she, if she is 27, if she sticks around and she keeps doing this, like they have a perfectly bright future ahead of them. I think, I think that they've made it. I think they're a made band at this point. If that, if that's a a way that you can put it, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And whatever they do in the future, people will take a lot of notice of. Yeah, who knows? They might start headlining their own tours now. There we go. (laughs) I'll totally go see them now that I've I've heard this kind of stuff. I'm in. I'll see them again. Let's do
0: it. Definitely (laughs) recommend seeing them for
2: sure. At this point, I'll see any fucking band live. (laughs) Don't say that. Don't say that. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. I won't see the used. Screw them.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. All right. I had a checklist of things we need to get to this season and Dan slamming the use was on it. So happy to check that one off. <laughs> <And> <laughs> Anytime. No problem.
2: <laughs> All right. got to close this out. So let us know your thoughts on the new album by the pretty reckless called death by rock and roll. You can let us know on social media at it rocks on Twitter and other social media outlets. Uh, We'd love to hear your comments, your uh, thoughts, and, uh, you know, what what you thought compared to their
1: other stuff, or if you're even a fan of this band. Or if our episode about them made you a fan, which I hope it did, because they deserve it for this. So thank you very
2: much for listening. We are The Itch, and you've been listening to The Itch Podcast. My name is Dan.
1: I'm KC. And I'm Aaron. And until next time, rock on. If you enjoyed what you heard in this episode, please subscribe and tell a friend about the show.
0: We've got plenty of links in the show notes to continue the conversation, including the episode's
2: playlist. And you can interact with us on Twitter, Facebook, or through Gmail. And itchrocks.com, all at itchrocks, I-T-C-H-R-O-C-K-S.
1: Should I go with something different season two? No. Or do we say the same thing on Rock On on the... I like the idea of, of doing rock on as the default and then if you think if you have something else that you really desire to throw in there instead then feel free to j- change it up when you feel like it okay I don't know. so I don't know until next week death by snoo snoo <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> until next week keep the rock alive <laughs> rock isn't dead that's right
0: on that note you probably should hit stop on the recording <laughs> <laughs>